Welcome to Shocker Girl Radio. We've created a community of spiritual women who know that you can still enjoy the finer things while you're on your soul's journey to live your dharma and your most chakra-aligned life. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to Chakra Girl Radio. Today we are chatting about spiritual intelligence and mental health. I know that we have an IQ, but did you know that we have an EQ? Your emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence is all so important. So we're going to be talking about owning your spiritual intelligence and how to expand it. We're going to be talking about why spiritual people experience mental health symptoms and channeling the Lemurian High Council. And our guest is the amazing, lovely, beautiful Dr. Robin McKay. She truly is a gem and you're going to love her vibe. She is a psychologist and she's a best-selling author. And she's also awake and spiritual. So we're talking about all the fun things today. Before we dive in, another fun thing that you know I love is the combination of spirituality with manifestation and fashion and beauty and luxury and all of those things. So I'm going to be hosting a fashion ritual style session, which is a free workshop. And we're going to be just like unlocking the hidden synergies between fashion and spirituality for a more vibrant and empowered life and how to really use your personal style as a way to embody your highest self, to manifest the life that you want. And it's just going to be fun because you guys, fashion, shopping, clothing, all fun things. And when you infuse spirituality in them and like add that intention, it really takes it to the next level. So go to our show notes. We're linking you to sign up for the free workshop and we will see you there. Let's dive into this interview with Dr. Robin McKay, but she said we can call her Robin. Welcome to Shocker Girl Radio. I am your host, Amberly Lyons, and we are on a mission to make the world more consciously chic and quantumly connected, one activated chakra at a time. We have the most lovely, high vibe, intuitive gem here with us today. Her name is Dr. Robin McKay, but she says we can call her Robin. She is an award-winning psychologist, a podcast host, and best-selling author. She's an authority on spiritual intelligence and a top advisor to high EQ executives and leaders at Fortune 500 companies like the real deal guys, like the real deal. She works with elite level performers in entrepreneurship, sports and entertainment. She uses a distinct range of tools from spiritual to scientific. And she has just like a good medley, you know, you need to have a combination of all the things. And she has a very unique approach to transformational leadership and innovation. And she does it with a spiritual panache. So we're so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you. I love that spiritual panache. That's my favorite. (laughs) It just came through. Robin, tell us your sun, moon, and rising. Sun is in Capricorn. And then I've got lots of air. I'm a Libra rising and a Libra moon. Ooh, okay. So I love all the air, but you've got that good grounding Capricorn. You do do that very grounding, like, I feel safe with you energy. (laughs) That's good. That's always my intention is 
to just welcome people home to themselves. And it took me a long time to acknowledge and really appreciate my Capricornness, if you will. They get a bad rap. Yeah. So I, I think I do have some Capricorn vibes because I'm on Jan 23 mm-hmm. and the, it cuts off on like the first. So I've always had a soft spot for the Capricorns. Yeah. Love them. What is Thank a ritual you. that you almost never skip? Every morning before I open my eyes and certainly before my hit my feet hit the floor, I tune into my heart. And I connect in with my etheric realm. I connect in with my guides and I just do my prayers and meditation first thing in the morning. And after I connect in, then I connect in with my husband and our dog. And I just make sure everybody's on the same wavelength, because I think that as a leader, it's really important to make sure, first of all, that I'm connected. And then the people who are closest into me are connected with me as well so that we can move through the world much more effortlessly and gracefully, hopefully than when we're disconnected. That's beautiful because often when you just like wake up and everyone just kind of has their tunnel vision of what they need to do. And like, you can go through like a whole day and be like, oh yeah, you live here too. We've been in the same house all day and we barely said hi. (laughs) Or it's like we or we sat there and had coffee together the entire morning, but it was like, as if we were not together, like we were like not connected energetically. So that's so important to just be intentional about that. It's really true. We can be two ships passing in the night. My husband's a native New Yorker and he hits the ground running every single morning with the stock market. And if I let that be the tone setter for the day, everything feels out of sync. Yeah. So I always make sure before I even say anything to him in the morning, I'm connected in. We have so many similarities. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. My husband too, he does, he does more like crypto, like stock stuff. So the second he gets up, he's like on his phone and like checking the numbers. And I'm just like, I don't know how you live like that. Like I would go insane. <laughs> they live in, well, unless they learn differently, yeah. it's like they live and die by the color of the markets. Is yeah. it red or is it green? Yeah. And my husband made a decision about a year ago. And he's been in the markets his whole career. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm no longer going to let my mood be dictated by how the market's going. He made a conscious decision. You have to. to. And I I tell my husband that if if I can tell he's being a little short and like, how are the markets today? (laughs) But he's gotten much better. Okay. I love that. I want to know about your spiritual awakening and how that coincided with your business journey, because Typically someone on the doctor path is not into the spiritual. It's two very different parts of your brain. So I'd love to know how that all meshed together for you. Well, how much time do you have? (laughs) We'll continue the conversation, but I will say this. I was awake from the time I was born. I remember my birth. I did a current life regression back through even conception up until my birth. And I do remember my birth. And then I remember my mom taught me how to pray when I was like three years old. Mm -hmm. And in that moment that she taught me the guardian angel prayer from Catholic church, I knew that I was never alone. And I always had this kind of sixth sense about me. I didn't have words for it, but I was always pretty telepathic. I'd get intuitive hits all the time. So that was not part of, I mean, I was always awake in that way. And I was always a STEM girl. So I got my first microscope when I was 10 and I hated the light source because it was a mirror. I was so disappointed. 
<laughs> oh, as only a 10 year old kid can be, I guess. <laughs> but I, you know, early in my career, I went into the biotech industry. I worked in a lab for a little while and it was during the time that I was working in a lab and I did get to work with some of the high powered microscopes actually. So I fulfilled that childhood desire. Mm-hmm. I had a quarter life crisis and I was depressed. I was anxious. I had to have some vaccinations because of the nature of my job that created an autoimmune response that created more problems for me. And I had mono also in my early twenties. So I had all of these kind of physical symptoms and mental health issues that came to a head in my late twenties. And at the same time that was going on, I had known from the time I was five or so that I was going to be a doctor and I was going to write books. And I wasn't doing either of those things in my mid twenties. I was working in a lab and eating Krispy Kreme donuts as (laughs) self-care. And it was at that time that that quarter life crisis where I really woke up to taking what I would say is adult responsibility for my spiritual gifts. So I'd always had them, but it was at that point when I looked around my life and I was like, what is even happening here? I really felt like I was living somebody else's life. I was married to my college sweetheart, commuting 45 minutes to work, doing kind of the thing that you're supposed to do. And it wasn't sitting well with me and it was creating even more depression and anxiety for me. So when my marriage ended almost immediately, I went into therapy for the very first time, but along with that, my guides who had always been with me taught me how to do soul retrievals and taught me how to do current life regressions. And that really became foundational to my spiritual journey, my spiritual, I wouldn't call it an awakening journey, but I would certainly say that I had an apprenticeship in spiritual intelligence. At the same time, I knew I was meant to be a doctor And I started reading a lot of spiritual books. And at the time, there were people like Wayne Dyer, who had a PhD, Doreen Virtue, the angel lady who's since renounced all of her works, had a PhD. There were some people like that in the field, in the Hay House kind of sphere that I was looking to and reading about. And I was like, I'm like them and I want to do what they're doing. So I must have to get my PhD And I definitely should get my PhD in psychology because that had been something that had been on my heart for a long time. So simultaneously to this spiritual apprenticeship that I was on, I got into the University of Kansas's counseling psychology PhD program. And I was lucky because my teachers in that program, as scientific as they were, it's a state school for goodness sakes. There's lots of, you know, it's very based in science and based in in kind of the, the, um, academic and the the scientific method, they were so allowing of me to have this experience with spiritual intelligence, with optimal human development, with positive psychology. And I really found my home there. Wow. So while it doesn't make sense, like on the surface, why does a PhD also talk about spiritual intelligence? In fact, my teachers were studying spiritual intelligence Mm. in addition to the psychology of gifted and talented creativity and that kind of thing. So there was this, that's how I kind of knew I was on my path really is that all of these things started coming together at once for me. And that really helped just set the tone for the rest of my career up until this point. It seems like that in itself was a manifestation that you had these teachers that were open to you practicing in, in this way, because usually from what I've heard is that you'd be like, Oh, you're a quack. Are you like, that's, you know, that's not real. And it would 
it, it had like a certain reputation about it. It did. And I remember I had to do my first curriculum vita in grad school. It's a, it's an academic version of your resume. And I had put down things like I got certified in hypnosis and I was a Reiki master. And my dear professor pulled me aside and she said, Robin, we know that you do these things and we need you to speak in code because we want everybody to know that you're also a solidly trained clinician. Mm-hmm. Like they and so to be taken seriously and they talk. wanted me to be taken seriously. And they were really at the time we have to remember this was, so I started my PhD in 2003. So really there was just so much going on from a cultural and societal perspective. And there was just, it was a different time and there was no such thing as a great awakening at that time. Mm-hmm. So while I understood what they were doing and why they were doing it, it was also something that I had to move through later in my career as I was coming out as I've been an intuitive channel since I was a little kid. And so I had to resolve some of these, you know, this dissonant messaging and and energy around how I'm supposed to present myself to the world. It reminds me of, you know, Brian Weiss, he did, he wrote that book a long time ago called Many Lives, Many Masters, where he came out as a Yale trained psychiatrist in the late eighties with a book that, that detailed his work with past life regression and how his patients were getting better doing these past life regressions, acknowledging that past lives are a thing and that it's an important part of the healing process. Well, if you can imagine in the late eighties, I know, you know, a lot of our listeners, maybe were little kids or even maybe not even born yet, but at that time, the psychiatrists were still doing psychotherapy. It was still very regimented and very scientific and wanted to be taken very seriously. So all of this stuff was on the fringe. Mm-hmm. So my professors had been raised at that same time. They'd come up through academia at that time, and they were trained to keep it on the DL, to speak in code and to do things, work your magic behind closed doors, mm-hmm. but to be taken seriously and to be a contributing member of the, of the community we had to present in a certain way. I'm wondering if there is like a higher, I don't want to say higher power, but like a higher darkness (laughs) that is like shushing people, especially in those more like Ivy league schools. Like I almost feel like those schools are just like a filtration system to find out who is going to be corrupt and powerful and smart enough to join the elite on their, on their path. So it's like, is there, yeah, like were these, it's like, but now that kind of gives the impression that like all people in academia or all, all of these like professors are all thinking in that way. But to your point, what you're saying is that, in fact, a lot of them do believe in the spirituality, but they're keeping it on the DL because they could be silenced or lose their jobs or whatever. Or burned at the stake in a previous incarnation. Yeah. So to your point, I got chills when you talked about the darkness and the the joining the elite. And I do think that there is a weeding out that happens. And I think that what, you know, I look at it as at that time. I, I, my soul required some safety to be able to master what I was doing. Yeah. And, and my teachers as, you know, talented as they were and as successful as they were, they are also pretty wounded. 
and scared. It sounds like like yeah, they and scared of the courage to, to stand up and say who they really were, Did, but they didn't really encourage you to do so either. They, they encouraged me to do that in the way that they could, which was through research, through mm-hmm. writing, through coming through. I've presented at the American Psychological Association with one of my academic mentors on spiritual intelligence. Wow. So that was, you know, in the probably 2005, I'll say something like that. So, you know, this is, it's all kind of a coming of age. Yeah. And it's an acknowledgement that the people who come before us had to deal with certain circumstances and certain energies. And now we're here at this place where I have, for me anyway, in my profession, I, I still have a license in psychology. I haven't practiced clinical work for years at this point. And it's only been in the last couple of years that I've really come out as the intuitive channel to be able to say that I, I just wrote that article for, for your prism mm-hmm. on, you know, I channeled the, my Lemurian high council. And there's a book that came out earlier this year on Akashic wisdom on Ascension that I contributed to as well, where we channeled the, the uh, Lemurian high council as well with regard to crystals. So it's only been really recently that I've liberated myself enough from that system in order to be able to be free enough to be able to be myself and to do the work that I'm here to do. So did you have past life work to do around being burned at the stake around being silenced? Like, was that part of your past life journey as well? Yeah, I think that it was, there was a lot of, and I see this with a lot of spiritual women in particular is that, and we talk about it now in the, wherever, wherever we're talking about these things, the witch wound, the Mm -hmm. Eve wound, all of those experiences that we have either personally or culturally, societally, genetically, or generationally mm-hmm. that will influence how we're showing up in the world. And as, as soon as we can get clear enough from that and have the awareness that yes, that happened then, you and I both know that there's never been a safer time for women to be leaders, to be spiritual leaders, and to be very much on purpose with this ascension process. And that's why you and I are here doing this work. Mm-hmm. So to, in answer to your question, yes. And I had a whole lot of just present life stuff with my, you know, my family, the Catholic church, um, academia, all, all the things that just even influenced me in this life to get me to this place. I just had a question come through. Do you think that we're, because of the fact that it is the safe, it feels like the safest time to be able to share this publicly? Is it because collectively we've overcome enough of that trauma and we've transcended it? Or do we possibly think, not to fear monger, that there's something coming and it's no longer going to be safe and that we're preparing for that? Hmm. Or there could be like a million other possibilities as well. I feel, so here's what I feel is that you know, 2020, there was a bifurcation in the world's basically the awareness, I would say split into two big consciousness, if you will. And we're still overlapping and you can see who's in your world and you can see who's definitely not in your world. Yeah. And we're still kind of walking around together. Mm -hmm. I think the Ascension process is something that my guides reminded me of recently. They're like, Robin, you think that you're the only one who's been on the Ascension journey? Think about all the Ascended Masters. Every Mm -hmm. single one of them have been on their own Ascension journey. Mm -hmm. 
whether we talk about Mother Mary or Seraphis Bay or whoever we want to bring in as an example, every one of them have been on the Ascension journey. I think that the more that we're awakening to our ancient gifts and talents to our to our true purpose and mission, uh, the easier it is going to be to face the darkness that you keep referring to. And by keep, you've mentioned it a couple of times, but this is not, there's no joke here. And people yeah. are, we're coming online for a specific reason. And it's yeah. not, you know, flowers and butterflies. Eventually, maybe it will be, but we've got work to do. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer a time to sit on the sidelines and, you know, meditate every once in a while when you feel like it just for fun. Yeah. For example. I've, I've always personally believed that awakeness is like your claim to safety. Like as long as you are awake, you will not be burned at the stake. It's the people that are maybe like, toggling between the two or like bouncing back and forth between love and fear. And like, if you go down that path of fear, then that's when you can get kind of taken or silenced. But if you're staying in the realm of light and on your ascension path, then you've created safety. Like you're walking with God, you're, you're safe. That was a big turning point for me. And that happened about, I'll say five years ago. I had this moment, something had happened in my business that it was like one of those things that you hope never happens in your business. And it happens. And I was like, I was in full on panic mode. And fortunately I had people around me to process through that and it turned out okay. But my lesson of that time was no one can actually hurt me. Mm -hmm. Now my body is a relatively fragile system, right? But I'm a divine and eternal being of love, light, and truth as are you. And so, because I know that, and I know that for sure in my heart of hearts, no one can actually hurt me. Mm-hmm. And in knowing that, embodying it, having that in my system as an awareness, beyond an awareness as, a, as an actual knowing was game-changing for me because it creates freedom and liberation from the fear of being harmed. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? hundred percent. And, and I think there's just like an overall fear of being silenced or being burned at the stake right now. And not so much now as like a couple years ago when people were actually like being censored and like that kind of thing. But yeah, I just feel like if you stand in your power that it kind of can't happen. So it's like, you just need to kind of stay there. Well, and the thing that I appreciate about, so I'm, I'm from Gen X yeah. And when I look at the women of your generation, one of the things I so admire and appreciate about you is how fearless you are about doing your thing. Mm-hmm. And it gives me great hope for, for us currently and for the future of us, because there is that fearlessness. Yeah. And I think that just so that, you know, from the Gen X perspective, it is such an inspiration for those of us who are coming from this, this other generation to look and say, if they're doing it, what are we doing sitting here on the sidelines? Really? Mm -hmm. That's so, well, thank you. I I appreciate the acknowledgement. (laughs) Well, I, I I really want you to hear that. And I I tell that to all of my millennial friends. I'm like, I love it when you all, I've got a hairstylist who's millennial and I'm like, I always feel like I get a little millennial bump when, when I go into her as well, but you know, just in terms of the spiritual work and the leadership, I think it's just such a amazing and powerful place that we're in as women. Thank you. I want to talk about like your kind of ethos on where like the spiritual and the mental health world connect. I know that 
a lot of people who are in the spiritual world and they're intuitive, they tend to have these symptoms of different mental health diagnoses. And I'd love to know like what your ethos is on all of that. Thank you for asking. This is the, this is the core of what I'm here for. And I was chatting with my publicist recently and she's like, Robin, you have to be really careful about what you say about this because, you know, there's all of this, you know, mental health and medication and spiritual gifts and all of those things. And how do you reconcile this? So let me, can I share with you how I reconcile all of it? And you can say whatever you want here. Well, and thank you. And I know, and she didn't mean that to censor myself, but just to be super mindful because, you know, one of the things that we were seeing a lot on TikTok, especially is your mental health issues are actually spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a headline that plays out. And then people read that or hear that. And they think, well, I'm going to go off my medication Um, and then life goes sideways and, you know, all kinds of things can happen when you go off medication immediately without supervision and without any kind of, any kind of guidance. And so that's not what this is about at all. So here's what I will say from a personal perspective, I mentioned anxiety, depression, I had trauma from childhood. And then, you know, just the micro traumas of being a human as an adult and at Epstein bar. So I had some autoimmune stuff as well. Not to, ma- not to mention vaccine injury. So I had a lot going on in my system and I was also intuitive. I was born that way. I do a personality profile called the NEO. It's a five-factor personality assessment that I can give because of my credentials. And one of the things that stands out about the spiritually intelligent among us, people like you, people like me, I've got other, we've got friends that we both know in this industry who are very high on this particular factor of personality is called openness to experiences. So the thing that I like about this personality profile is that it actually compares your scores to other people's scores. And that's like the only time that I like to do comparisons is when I'm looking at how do, how do your scores look like? What do your scores look like compared to other people's? Well, openness to experiences is the hallmark of the creative personality. And I also believe the hallmark of the intuitive intelligence or the spiritual intelligence. So we're looking at I can see um, clairvoyance in that. I can see clairsentience in that. I can see a willingness to challenge the status quo in that personality profile. So when you have an openness score like I do, which is about one in 10,000. So if I'm in a football stadium, a college football stadium, I'm going to be, I'm going to have the highest level of openness. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to see what other people can't see, know what other people just aren't aware of. And perhaps if you were to take that, you would score very high on that as well. So I share that with you because that's the hallmark of the, the, the spiritual intelligence is that high openness, but our mental health issues run in our nervous system, anxiety, depression, autoimmune stuff. That all happens a lot of times in the nervous system. And of course, the immune system gets involved as well. So you can be both, you can be both mentally ill and you can be spiritually intelligent. And I know this because I've been that mm-hmm. there was a time in my life about, it was before I went full-time in my business. I was still working as a psychologist at the university. I was starting my business, doing some coaching, but I went through, I was having panic attacks. I was having severe trauma response to some stuff that I hadn't even been aware of from my childhood until that time. 
So I was processing all of that through with a therapist who's a psychologist who sees other psychologists because we have to go to people like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I was on medication because I needed to stabilize my nervous system so that I could function normally in the world. Mm-hmm. I have a dear friend. I learned this a long time ago. She's a therapist. And I explained, I told her an experience I had with a, with a literally a psychotic person who was telepathic. We had a whole telepathic exchange, which resulted in her screaming at me in the middle of the streets, telling me to save my psychological diagnoses for somebody else. Wow. Even though I never, we, I never said anything to her. My friend said, there's a fine line between being psychic and being psychotic. Mm. Yeah. And it I- has to do with, it has to do with frequency and how well your body is processing the information. Mm. Is that How's that landing so far? Totally. Well, and I've always noticed a connection to like so many highly intuitive people I know have autoimmune disorders. And I've always thought, like, I've just always knew that it's because you're so open. Like there's when you're super open, like the way that I see it is from like a, like a energetic perspective of like when you're so open and your field is larger it almost like allows like an infiltration more easily. Is that what the from, way you- from a spiritual perspective yeah. and energetic perspective? Yes. From a psychological perspective, I would say that there's a sensitivity in the body for sure to substances. There can be allergic reaction. There can be um, inflammation that comes about as a result of for example, a vaccine or foods or whatever, you know, name that tune really. So from a personal perspective, as I moved through all of the stuff in my field, the anxiety, the depression, the panic attacks, the trauma processing, I'm still psychic. Mm -hmm. My psych, my psychic ability was, you know, let's go down the worst case scenario route because I feel like I'm dying my, like literally when you're having a panic attack, it can feel like you're dying. The suicidal ideation, that kind of stuff can happen in tandem with being intuitive. Right. So not all mentally ill people are psychic, Mm -hmm. but a lot of psychic intuitive people do have mental illness. Right. And so I never say medicine is bad. Although, you know, we can debate that ad nauseum probably. And I always say that you need to take care of your system so that you can function as normally as possible in the world. Mm-hmm. In other words, pay your bills, get enough sleep, go to work, yeah. do your work, that kind of thing. I was going to say, that's where my thing with medicine comes in is like, there's people that I know personally that aren't doing those things and on medication. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm curious, like if you did all those things, would you have needed the medication? And like, you know, the doctor is not telling you to do those things. They just want to sell the medication. So it's like, I think that's where there's such, there's such a gray area that I think even, you know, that like the spiritual people that are totally against medication aren't recognizing is that there is a gray area that sometimes in order to be able to get to that point where they can pay their bills work out, you know, eat healthy food, the medication has to be the first step, but then it's like, yeah, like what's, once you're on the medication, it's like getting yourself to the place where you don't have to be on it. I'm assuming would be the goal. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I did. Yeah. So I actually started on Prozac 
back in the nineties when I was super depressed, anxious, and I was working in biotech. And that was so liberating for me because I started feeling better. And then I was on some form of antidepressant off and on throughout my thirties. And I was okay with that. I didn't have like at the time that was what my body responded to, but here's what, here's what I know, Amberly, is that when I really deepened into my spiritual practices and when I started accessing, reading, interpreting the Akashic records and working with the Akashic records to clear all of the trauma and all of the anxiety and all of the implants and imprints and hooks and cords and all of those things, that's when I was able to just be without, be without medication, but be, be in my field, have my field be clear of those symptoms. Yes. So can you give us like a quick, like, what does that look like? Like if someone has like a specific trauma and they know that it's causing some kind of symptom or like, you know, stress in the brain and the body, Mm -hmm. how can they create a little cleansing practice for themselves and start to kind of unhook those things? So that's such a great question. In fact, when I, when people come in and work with me privately, I take them through what I call the McKay actualization method, because all of this work is about Mm self-actualization, actualizing, actualizing your highest potential. You can't do that when you're steeped in trauma or anxiety or depression. So the process that I use is that current life regression where we go back, we basically do it's timeline work and we basically go back and unfreeze those aspects of consciousness that have been stuck in that memory since it happened. Mm. And you know, which ones I'm talking about, the ones where you think back on a memory and you can literally still see yourself there, feel yourself there. I see this a lot with a really simple example is car accidents. If you've ever been in a car accident and you keep replaying it in your mind, there's a part of your consciousness in my experience that is still kind of hovering around that event. So the methodology that I use is to go back and basically pluck you out of there and bring you back into your center point. Once you do that, once you do that, there's again, in my experience and in the experience of many, many of the clients who I've worked with over the years, there's just a sense of calm. And now when you think back at the event, it's more like, you know, if you've ever watched an episode, I love friends. So maybe you watch the episode the first time, but the like fourth time you see it on like whatever late night TV show it's on or TV station it's on, you're like, oh, it's that one mm-hmm. where Phoebe says she's really bendy. That was a really funny episode. Yeah. It becomes kind of like that yeah. rather than that technicolor, like heightened experience of it that happens when the trauma is still active in the system. Yeah. So if you don't, you know, you can well, do something like feeling in the body. Sometimes I think like there's, if I think of like a specific thing, sometimes it's like, I'll start to get really hot right away. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's still really resonant for me. I didn't know yeah. I was still so, you know, uncomfortable about that. But then there's something else that, you know, that was maybe on paper, more traumatic that I've done work to like move through it. And maybe I've talked about it more. So I've kind of released it more. And now it's kind of like that. It's like, oh yeah, that, that, that exactly. So yeah, sometimes you don't still held on to you. You don't even, you're not even aware of it. And my guides actually taught me this process before I even started with my master's program. They literally laid me down on a couch one day after I had moved out from my college sweetheart, when I was getting divorced from him 
And they taught me how to do this process. And so that's a process that I teach in my, in my certification program, but really you can just, it's, it's really a meeting between you and you. Mm-hmm. And it's a reclamation of that aspect of your consciousness, that packet of light that's sitting outside your center point. You just bring her home. You bring her back into your heart. Welcome home. Welcome home. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Welcome home. I love that. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about Lemuria. Let's do it. <laughs> Shift it's my favorite. It's my favorite. I've the always- guides, as soon as you said that, my eyes were drawn. The guides found this beautiful pack of crystal cards. I don't even know who made these. I found I them at my yoga studio. I think I have that same one. This one? Uh, no, hold on. I'm grabbing the box. Is it this? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so funny. My Lemurian high council. I love them. So beautiful. I've always really felt a deep resonance with Lemuria. Do you want to just kind of explain to the listeners? They've probably heard me talk about it, but can you explain a little bit about what Lemuria is and then how you connect to it and to them? So as I understand Lemuria, it is a place, it still exists, just not on our plane where we are. The first time I came into contact with the Lemurians was when I did a spiritual retreat in Hawaii on the island of Kauai, which is my favorite. It's like my soul's home. I go to Kauai even now and I'm like, oh, I'm home. So the Lemurian culture, the Lemurian society, from what they have shared with me is a technologically advanced society that is very invested in crystalline technology in particular. And Amberly, here's an interesting thing. So I work with a lot of engineers, female engineers who are high emotionally intelligent. They're in the closet intuitive, or they don't even know that that's what they are, but they are. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to somebody about it one day and she's like, oh, that's why we were talking about the Lemurians. And she said, that's why you work with all the engineers because of all the crystals that they use oh. and their technologies. Right. And I was like, oh, this makes so much sense now. So that's just a little fun fact. But the way that, you know, the, the Lemurian High Council was introduced to me about two years ago, I was working with one of my colleagues in the Akashic Records And she brought them forward and she said, they want to know if you want to work with them. And I said, yes, I do. And that's when I began getting to know them and channeling them. And they have given me so much wisdom about the crystals that is quite different from the things that maybe you would see when you Google what's the spiritual meaning of a particular crystal or whatever. Um, I know I have an article that we're going to be sharing on your site soon about some of the crystals that you have in in your space as well. So I, is that a good enough overview or do we, yeah, what absolutely. else do you want to know? I mean, I, I feel like what I love so much about connecting to, I, I just feel like I've lived there. <laughs> like I, like, I, I feel like people who have that deep resonance have probably had lifetimes there. And I know it's like, we can't think of them as like past, present, future. Maybe we live there right now, you know? as well. So I don't know, I guess like one thing that I love about it is just that it's kind of a place where everything is telepathic. Everything exists. You think of something, you can create it. Like they live in crystal house. Like I can like picture it. I can see it. I can feel it. I'd love to know like how we can work with that energy. Like obviously like channeling 
the Lemurian council is one thing, but it, are there other ways that we can kind of work with that Lemurian energy and bring it into our practice? So, yes. So like a remembrance of those gifts kind of is what I think. Yeah. That's such a great question because remember I mentioned earlier that coming into your ancient gifts is what's happening right now. Ancient gifts, meaning telepathy, instant manifestation, teleportation, those kinds of things. And remembering, of course, that intention sets everything in motion. The Lemurian high council, and there, there are other councils as well. That's just what the guides who I work with call themselves or refer to themselves as. They really, when there is an interest and a curiosity and an intention and a desire to learn more about them, that's they consider that an invitation and you can invite them in to work with you in your meditations, in your dream state. If you feel drawn to Lemuria, to your point, chances are quite good that you existed there at some point and your consciousness still travels there all the time very clearly because you can describe the experience so well. My experience with it is always more in a felt sensation. I'm hyper empathetic. So I feel everything in my body. So for me, it's more, it's very um, aquatic. I was just out in San Diego and I got to see some of the blue whales and I'm like, Oh, I'm pretty sure that they travel back and forth between the realms. I really like, really do. Yeah. So using sonar is part of it as well. You know, the, the dolphins have, I believe that they have crystals in their sonar mechanisms that are run. And we have crystals in our pineal gland as well mm-hmm. that are communication devices for the Lemurians to work with us in that way. Mm-hmm. So I would say in answer to your question, it's never, there's never one right answer for this. As you know, it just is more intention and, and asking and then discerning. Yeah. Because listen, there are a lot of low vibe beings who are really willing to come in and give us advice and tell us what to do and boss us around and keep us basically enslaved in this matrix that we're living in. So if you are feeling drawn to Lemuria, making sure that your vessel is pristine, becoming the channel, which is, you know, it's my podcast, but it's really what this work is all about is creating a pristine, a clear field for the energies to flow through you. Because remember, remember what I said, there's a fine line between being psychic and being psychotic. And it all has to do with the field that you're in with how the body is functioning. So we really want to make sure that the body is as clear as possible in order to do this work with the highest regard and respect for the energetics of it. Mm, Yeah. That's something that I've been so called to lately. Like I've actually been like doing cleanses and like not in like an overly like OCD way, which is one of my symptoms. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't have that one, but I got some others. I got some others that my brain deals with, but yeah, I, 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 I so feel that like when the body is in its highest vibration, we bring so much more light in and we can hold more. So that's so beautiful. Oh, I, I could talk to you all day and I'm so glad I, get I know to talking to you, but we're going to switch the table. I'm going to be on your podcast. Yes. Next. So before we part, are there any closing words for our listeners? I think that my big message is please take care of your nervous system and your mental health. 
your digestive system, your whole vessel is so important right now. We're in partnership with our bodies. Our bodies have their own consciousness and our bodies actually know how to do this world a whole lot better than our, our eternal consciousness does. We're one of my teachers says we're visitors here. The body's very familiar with this arena. So we owe it to our bodies to make sure that they are pristine. I just started a really intense workout schedule with my trainer. I've worked with him for years, but earlier this spring, I was like, I want to get like a bodybuilder body. So I had a really hard workout today Mm -hmm. and I keep going through it because I know the importance of having lean muscle, of having a long lean form for me. It's not for everybody, but for me, that's very important because it's that vitality that allows these higher frequencies to be able to come through me without blowing out my circuits. Mm-hmm. And it automatically bumps out any of the lower frequencies that I referred to that are trying to penetrate, that are trying to manipulate, that are trying to trip you up, distract whatever you from your mission. So if you want to be on mission, clean up your body mm-hmm. and really be mindful about what you're putting into it. And if you've got some mental health symptoms, get support, make sure you're working with somebody who understands both sides of the coin, that you can be intuitive or or spiritually intelligent and also have some mental health symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I think there is this like spiritual clout that people are chasing about being perfect. (laughs) And they see like the, the spiritual people out there that make it look like their life is perfect. And then people are like, oh, well, I'm not like them. So I'm obviously not spiritual because I'm not as perfect as them, you know? Okay. Well, let's just quote Elf in You're, this. Yeah. We're just going to quote Elf. You sit on a throne of lies. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like there's all kinds of illusions out there. And when you yeah. get crystal clear with your, with your wealth consciousness and you're, you're really a clear channel, you can discern where's the truth and where's the lie. here's my marker and I'll leave it at this. My marker is if I feel like somebody's too cool for me or whatever, whatever word you kids are using these days, but you know what I mean? Like if I, or if I feel like I don't get it, like, why is that everybody so hot on this person? Like, I don't like, I don't get it. Yeah. That's my signal that there's something off about that person. There's nothing wrong with me. I love that you said that. I'm so happy that you said that because I've always thought that too. And then I'm like, am I just judging? I'm like, no, that's my intuition. Like, I know that if someone feels like they have to make people feel like shit and show how perfect they are, then that is, there's something going on that they're hiding. They're not living in their truth. Yeah. So, well, or they, they're not living in highest alignment with universal law. We'll just say that. I think that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I love that. So how can we work with you? I know we can do you, you're offering us $200 off your Neo. I love that so much. So my Neo is it's an assessment really of spiritual intelligence. And I can look at that and tell you exactly what your spiritual gifts are. This is something that I've done with multi six and seven figure entrepreneurs for years now. And the way it helps us is that we can really discern who we're meant to be working with, not just because we can work with them, but because actually they're really good fits for our frequency and our consciousness, our intelligence. And we can virtually eliminate the struggle bunnies. You know, those people who create drag and drama in your business can virtually be eliminated once you understand who they are based on your own personality profile. Mm -hmm. So that's my Neo. 
And yeah, $200 off. You can use chakra girl as the code to get that $200 off. And that I really invite you, if you're feeling called to do that, to do that, it'll change the way you look at yourself. You'll understand yourself so much better as a spiritually intelligent leader for sure. So that's one way. And then, you know, I'm doing, I'm on Instagram more and more, and I've got my podcast becoming the channel, which we're going to be on in just a few minutes as well. And so that's another great way to stay in touch with me and get in my world. Yes. Amazing. We're going to link you guys to all things, Dr. Robin McKay, go check it out. Book one of those Neo sessions. I'm like, so intrigued by this. And yeah, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I know you loved this episode. If you are a Chakra Girl listener, then you are just thriving right now and just so excited that you listened to this. So make sure to let us know how you liked it. Share it, DM us. We're here for you. Rate it five stars. Give us an amazing comment. You know, we love to see it. Have the best day, everybody. And we will catch you next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow along with us on Instagram at Shocker Girl Co. And if you loved this episode, please give us a five-star review and write us a little comment. We'd love to hear from you. 